0: Hey everyone, welcome to the second episode of Project Geekology, uh, the show where we talk about all things geeky and, you know, make a study of it. Uh, And today we are joined with a special guest, but first let's uh, introduce our hosts. I'm Dakota. And I'm Anthony. And we're joined with... Jen! Jen! Yes, Jen, my wife. You guys will know her if you follow our videos on Geek Critique, she's the other half of the couch. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so we have a lot to talk about today. We're gonna be talking about Avatar The Last Airbender, a show that means a lot to all three of us here today. Not only about why we love the series and uh, why we believe it's great, but also some of the background behind the series, uh, maybe some things that you don't know about and more. Water. Earth,
1: fire, air.
0: So, as always, before we begin, Anthony, what have you been up to this past week?
1: Um, I've actually been taking a dive into a game I've been meaning to get into for a while. It's called uh, Nino Cooney: Wrath of the White Witch. It's really cool because it looks like one of those Studio Ghibli type. It kind of reminds me of a Studio Ghibli movie, but it's a video game and it's really cool and I love the art style of it. It's been fun. When you first play it, it looks like it's going to, you're not so sure where it's going to go because you're playing as a kid, but it's really cool because it's an RPG. It's got battle sequences and it's really cool. It's fun.
0: That's awesome. I know that um, I've seen a few stills and videos from it, and the cutscenes are like actual animation, and it looks like a Studio Ghibli, like Hayao Miyazaki type animated thing. But the actual gameplay is more like three dimensional, uh, but still in that like anime vibe. So that that's a cool uh, cool thing that you're getting into. I, I've not played it, but that's something that like I've been interested in for a while.
1: Yeah, man, it's great. How about you? What have you been up to? Uh,
0: really, the only thing I've been up to is catching up on The Legend of Korra. We're almost through with the series now. We're like halfway through the fourth and final season. And obviously, for those of you who don't know, Avatar uh, The Legend of Korra is the sequel to Avatar The Last Airbender. And um, while we won't get too much into that in this episode, it may come up, you know, just in conversation. But we'll avoid spoilers for that, obviously. Yes, of course. And Jen, uh, what are you up to this Mm. past week?
2: Well, this was my second week of school and i'm taking like 19 credits so (laughs) i haven't really had a lot of time to do like a lot of things that i like to do but i have been reading avatar Kyoshi, and you know watching or the rise of Kyoshi, and then watching uh legend of korra with you which has been so i've been really pretty much in my spare time just in the avatar world
0: yeah, actually, I've, speaking of just being in the Avatar world, because I'm, I'm, I'm writing a video right now for uh, Geek Critique about a potential third series of uh, Avatar shows. And uh, I started reading some of the comics that come out post-Avatar The Last Airbender that take place about a year later. And it's it's been really cool how, even with other writers, with the help of the creators, uh, Michael Dante, DiMartino, and Brian Konietzko, the stories like kind of just flow seamlessly from the final book, the third book uh, or season of the show into the comic series. And it's just an uh, it's an ongoing project right now. And it's pretty cool. So the, the canon continues basically. So there's always, uh, hopefully there will always be something new in the series.
1: I really do hope that they continue to expand on that universe because there's so much potential in it. The way that they set it up, it's almost like it's almost like Doctor Who. I mean, they could keep on going in theory as long as they wanted to because it could always reset it. Just like they did with, I think, the 13th Doctor. Right. The generations can go on and on until they decide to, you know, either not do any more Avatar stuff or decide that they want to, or, you know, one of the Avatars get killed off.
0: Right, yeah. What I found upon re-watching uh, Avatar The Last Airbender Um, And after reading the two Kiyoshi books um, and going back to the the original show, even from the first episode, when you rewatch it after knowing all that you uh, know about the world building of the series, you can tell from the very start that the show, uh, the showrunners did years worth of world building. And it's all, this is literally the tip of the iceberg. And it's interesting because they start, with a literal iceberg. <laughs> the show starts with uh, Aang frozen in ice in an iceberg. <laughs> and uh, I think the first episode's called The Boy in the Iceberg or something like that.
1: The Boy in the Ice or something like that, yeah.
0: You can tell just from the opening intro where it's water, earth, fire, and air. You can tell that they did so much world building even in the Avatar cycle. The, the idea of like the different uh, Avatars coming from different uh, nations each cycle. Um, so, after Avatar Aang, which is an airbender, there would be a water avatar, which would be Korra, which is what the second series is based on. A third series, if they continued moving forward, would have to be uh, an earth based avatar or someone from the earth uh, nation or kingdoms. And it's just, you could tell they did so much world building just with that idea in mind. And uh, they just kind of went from there.
1: Right. I mean, that's how the fire nation knew to go to the air nomads because of where the cycle was
2: but that all changed when the fire nation attacked
0: right exactly yeah mm-hmm.
2: and I, I remember feeling that way actually like when i was younger and watching the show like i just didn't understand why it was so short like why were there only three books like why couldn't they do more because you you could see the potential, you know, even when it was just getting started.
0: Apparently, and this is something that they recently touched upon in an interview with Polygon, the creators of the show, De Martino and Knyazsko, they were asked whether the rumored fourth season of the show was canceled by Nickelodeon or if that was ever in the works. And apparently, it was just a rumor. They always set out with a three episode or sorry, a three season arc in mind. Any potential for a fourth season of the series after the battle with Fire Lord Orzai was never really in the cards. They had pitched to Nickelodeon three seasons and that's what they set out to do and that's what they did. Obviously what's what's great about the, the comic run after the fact is you get to see more of these characters. You get to see how these characters uh, kind of grow together and even grow apart in different ways. And I, I think it's such a cool experience that the world feels like a living universe. You know, it's always kind of growing and expanding in different directions. Um, and while it always follows this one particular character in the Avatar and the people around the Avatar, um, it, it's so cool to see how their vision of these original three seasons or three books, as they're called in the, in the show, how, how well they're executed. And um, 18 years later, we're still talking about them. Mm-hmm.
1: It's really fascinating, though, show. I don't think that this show would have been the show that it was if Nickelodeon did not give the creators this like freedom, Mm -hmm. you know, this creative freedom. Because I know when it was initially pitched, they wanted to make a martial arts show and Nickelodeon, I mean, they were with the idea, but they wanted it to be changed a bit because they don't want a bunch of kids, you know, just punching or kicking (laughs) each other.
0: That could be a bad look.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that could be like, oh, I learned it from the show and on Nickelodeon. And yeah, that would not have been really good <laughs> PR, you know?
2: It starts firebending. Oh, I just learned it from the show on Nickelodeon. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's a little bit harder to replicate. But yeah, no, I, I think I think we're ready to, to, to talk, you know, a bit more about the show. You know, we're not going to go too much into spoiler territory. Um, but just know that there might be some things that we talk about that are in the show, but, you know, we're going to do our best to not reveal anything huge, or we won't reveal anything big.
0: I've already, like, given away a big plot spoiler that I'm going to delete earlier in this episode, so uh, I'm don't worry, I'm going to be editing, editing anything out that... <laughs> Could potentially ruin your experience even a little <laughs> bit um, but Anthony tell us a little bit about the background of the series
1: all right well I mean it was created by Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Kunietzko so I mean we all know that it's called Avatar The Last Airbender but it also went by a title that was a little less known called Avatar The Legend of Aang so I mean that kind of it, it kind of makes sense you know with how uh, they went with The Legend of Korra the the second series and it ran from february 21st 2005 up until saturday july 19th 2008 during that initial run i was i think i was in maybe seventh grade when that when it first came out so i remember when it came out i remember when it first aired i remember seeing the promos for it i was like okay this looks pretty cool and so you know i checked it out and you know just the intro alone hooks you because you're like man look at this world like they they build the world for you just in that intro alone
2: only the avatar mastered all four elements only he could stop the ruthless firebenders but when the world needed him most he vanished
1: it's true it's like oh my goodness so you know and it's like the firebenders they're attacking you know there's you know these people they have these powers and it's like you want to know more about this world when the show starts off it, I mean, there's character development. You know, not every show or book is going to start off, you know, 100 miles an hour when it comes to character de- development. You start seeing just a little, little, you know, pod of what that character can, could blossom into, you know? <laughs> it's really, really cool, you know, just how the show just starts off. It gets you ready.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The first couple episodes are slower, and uh, some might even say, Uh, more childish. It's not until they go to, I believe it's the Southern Air Temple, that you start understanding uh, more of the depth of the world.
2: And if Firebenders found this temple, that means they found the other ones too. I really am the last Airbender.
0: Obviously from the very, I think it's the first or second episode, they introduce the Fire Nation, and Avatar Aang gets his first real interaction with this uh, oppressive... Uh, rulership this oppressive government that's trying to you know destroy uh, any trace of the avatar and potentially rule the entire world and it's it's a lot for a kids cartoon you know yeah if you really think about what they were capable of putting into uh, that some of the themes that they were capable of putting into this series and making it applicable and enjoyable for kids it's really crazy mm-hmm. you know yeah the, the idea of uh, you can do it kind of runs the gamut of like throughout the entire series like what you're going to be getting in terms of like you know really profound themes like domestic terrorism you have stuff like the merits of freedom and personal choice when you're put into positions of even going against your your family or your loved ones or your nation you know uh it talks there's themes of loyalty there's themes of friendship and those are pretty common in uh like children's cartoons and games and stuff but it gets really deep mm-hmm. yeah. um, and, yeah. and it doesn't stop with just the, the children characters even though you're following a bunch of characters that are like between 12 and 15 years old some of the older characters uh, that may at first seem like comic relief turn out to be um, hugely influential to the characters in the series, and you know, pockets of wisdom. I'm thinking of you, Uncle Iro.
1: Sometimes the best way to solve your own problems
0: is to help someone else.
1: Dude, <laughs> come on! That, always that—that that will always be my favorite character in that show. Yeah, that it will always be my favorite character. I don't. He's just one of those characters that I know that a lot of people like. You know, some some people might have other favorite characters, but he'll always be like that one well liked character. Um, I mean, yeah, you think back in his past, and he was you know this prominent general. Of, and the hundred year war he led the the siege of basing say that's not really I, mean, I wouldn't say too much of a spoiler because it doesn't really it doesn't dig too deep into that he he does not want to be that person you can already see that he's kind of haunted by that you know i mean by the defeat but really just you can tell that he just he wanted to turn a new leaf just new how he right. how he is throughout the whole show
0: leaf. yes a new tea leaf
1: yeah oh yeah
0: uh, Jen, who's who's your favorite character?
2: Zuko, easy. I love Zuko. Yeah, Zuko I mean, had a great. First arc. of all, he's fine. He's <laughs> super fine. And second of all, he like just has yeah he has an amazing arc. You immediately, even though you don't agree with him at the beginning, you can empathize with him. And I think for me, because I also like you, Anthony, started watching the show probably at about like the same age, like seventh grade, when it came out. And I, I do think that that's an interesting theme, that it helps you to em- empathize with the villains. Even if someone's against you, you need to learn to understand where they're coming from. And I think that's a fantastic lesson for kids. And I just, you know, he became one of my favorite characters, even though he is the bad guy, which I think is really cool.
0: Yeah, you always, you always know that his goal is the wrong one. Mm-hmm. You know the side of good and you know the side of evil in right. this series. But Zuko kind of fits into a gray area where he's trying to you know reclaim honor from his people right you're like my sister everything always came easy to her she's a firebending prodigy and everyone
1: adores her my father says she was born lucky he says i was lucky to be born
0: i don't need luck though i don't want it i've always had to struggle and fight and that's made me strong it's made me who i am I don't think that's a spoiler because they talk about it in, like, the first couple episodes.
1: Um, Yeah, like, in the the first, like, few episodes, I mean, it shows that his goal is to capture the Avatar. Yeah. He's trying to reclaim this honor. Um, And the the thing that, the reason why I like Iroh is that Iroh really becomes the father that Zuko is searching. Mm -hmm. He, He becomes this character that, you know, Zuko just, I mean, he's very resistant in the beginning. Iroh's trying to be this this person he's trying to support his nephew but he's also trying to really keep him grounded mm-hmm. and so the reason why I just enjoy him is because he definitely has an impact on Zuko later in the series
0: yeah definitely mm-hmm. he, he's uh, uncle Iroh always wants what's best for his nephew and he's willing to I guess go out of his comfort zone and his uh, moral compass because I think as an older man uh, who's uh, kind of world weary um, he sees the world a little differently or he sees the world very differently from his nephew and he wants to do what's best for not only his nephew's honor but um, for his personal well-being and it's it's interesting because these are the villains these are the villains that we're you know, we've just spent <laughs> a couple minutes empathizing with Yeah, yeah. and uh, we, so just, we love them
1: you're like, you're, you're just so conflicted because, like, am I supposed to hate this person? Because I really like them.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> that's that's so crazy for a kid's cartoon mm-hmm. uh, to do. To, like, show you that, you know, the bully, the, the enemy of the series, the antagonist... Right. ...isn't the worst person ever, even though he's <laughs> trying to do the worst thing ever.
2: And there are definitely, like, bigger fish out there that are more evil, which you... You know what I mean? Yeah. Definitely. I think, too, with Zuko, it's like he's trying to reclaim honor, but he's doing... Things that are dishonorable, and I think this is something that Aang and, and a lot of the characters go through at some point during the show is the need to separate yourself from the traditions that you were raised by and and learn to make your own choices and be your own person. Yeah, which is a really you know huge lesson for a kids' show too. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was a kid and I really liked it. I liked the show a lot, and even in high school, I I bought all the DVDs and I just like watched them all the time. And my mom was like really worried about me she was like this is why you're never going to get a boyfriend because i didn't have a boyfriend <laughs> until i was much older <laughs> and like she's like you need to watch like normal teenage shows like watch gossip girl look at what your brother's girlfriend is watching do stuff like that like she was really stressed out about it and and she was like why are you still watching cartoons like you need to develop into a teenager and i was like this is amazing though
1: <laughs> i'm telling you i was one of those high schoolers that watch cartoons and i mean when you have shows like the avatar out there how, like, what can blame you?
2: Exactly, yeah. Because it's like, to my mom, she wasn't watching it. So to her, she's like, you're still watching, like, she, it, her, to her, it's like the same as Dora the Explorer. She's like, why are you still watching this? <laughs> and for me, I'm like, well, it's actually like, it, it is very mature in a lot of ways. So even oh, as yeah. a high school student, like I still totally related to the show.
0: And even as an adult, I do too. What What's fascinating about American cartoons or Western cartoons is that uh, there's there's a cultural mindset of people who go into them or like grow up around them that they're meant for kids That these are only that va- their only value is to children. What's fascinating to me about um, Avatar is it takes some of its influence from Eastern anime Japanese anime. Yes Well, there is some like uh, Japanese influence in the show. Most of it is um, Most of its Chinese some of its Indian, but it's like a big Asiatic thing But the actual, like, drawing style is very anime. Yes. And what's interesting about anime is there's anime for kids, there's anime for adults, and I would say there's actually probably more anime for adults than there is anime for kids. The lines are blurred when it comes to what is meant for adults and what is meant for children in Japanese culture in terms of anime because they don't have, like... I mean, they do have big productions of like live action stuff, but for the most part, their their primary output into the world in terms of footage is all anime. You know, that's that's their leading export in terms of uh, culture, and that idea of not having a show necessarily based uh, only towards uh, children or only towards adults kind of bleeds into Avatar because while it is aimed at children, um, it can just as well or just as easily be enjoyed by adults. And I think in some cases, I, I enjoy it more now than when I first was introduced to it, even though I was an adult when uh, Jen introduced me uh, a couple years back.
1: No, no, for sure. And the, the, the biggest thing about the Avatar is that it treats its characters, even though they're children, it treats them mature. It treats them as being able to handle more than you know, say, an adult would think that a, a child can handle. I mean, which in reality, that's what I mean. That's the truth. A lot of a lot of adults don't understand how much a child can be mature. I mean, you can you can learn from children, and so. That show, the show really, I mean, shows the maturity of children. I mean, you know, Aang, he's 12 years old. You know, he grew up around monks, but he still displayed a certain wisdom.
0: What's really interesting, and uh, you don't really see it until uh, they, they first visit the Southern Air Temple, is how much the weight of the world is on these three kids' shoulders. Right. And as the show goes on, there's there's more people that they introduce, more children that help save the world. And not only children, though. Some of the people they meet along the way end up helping later on in the series. And it kind of goes to show that in some instances, you're required in life to grow up faster than you would normally, based on your age. With uh, Aang, it's it's interesting because he was put into position as uh, the Avatar, uh, or he was he was um, trained as the Avatar much earlier than most Avatars out there are trained. So in in every other aspect, the Avatar doesn't really become uh, like a world figure until they're 16. But because of the impending threat, the impending doom of the Fire Nation taking over and no other Avatar being present, Aang was required to grow up at a faster rate. And uh, what's, what's fascinating is that he actually shrunk away. You know, he, he hid for literally a th- hundred years. Not, he didn't purposely hid, hide for 100 years, but he got stuck in a state where he was hidden for a hundred years.
2: Aang, how long were you in that iceberg? I don't know
0: a few days maybe I think it was more like a hundred years what that's impossible do I look like a 112 year old man to you right
1: the the craziest thing also about Aang is that the fact that he had a lot less time to master the other three elements than some you know than literally all these other avatars that we know about Cora, she had all those years to she she mastered three of them be- before coming to airbending.
0: <laughs>
1: I don't know much about Kyoshi, so you can probably kinda of talk a little bit more, but with Aang, Aang had to take care of this before uh or he fought on oh, I don't wanna like reveal yeah. any of that. Yeah. So.
0: Oh, it's
2: so pretty- tough. Every time I go to talk I'm like I think that's a spoiler. <laughs>
0: He he needed to complete his training as the avatar uh, within a certain amount of time, right? Um, before the the Fire Nation was at their peak in power, and I think he really only had about like eight months. I think the entire first three seasons, or the only three seasons. Take place within a period of eight to nine months. Right. It's it's kind of incredible the the amount of uh, weight that is put onto uh, this poor twelve year old kid's shoulders. Uh, yeah. W- what's great about Korra is that she definitely knew that she was the Avatar from so a very young age. A lot day. of time. Yeah, to train. She, she she was able to uh, at least partially bend three elements uh, <laughs> as a toddler. <laughs> so that's pretty great.
1: I- Avatar! You gotta deal with it!
0: Uh, so she, she was good to go there. Um, Kiyoshi is a unique uh, mm-hmm. a unique case where she didn't know that she was the Avatar until she was actually 16 years old. And uh, we know that Roku, um, he had many years to to train. as uh, he, he, he was a Fire Nation Avatar before Aang. He had many years that he was able to train uh, to, to master all four elements. So... Aang was very specific in the sense that he had to grow up real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: and it's you—you you feel that rush, which I mean, is kind of like real life, I guess, in a way. You know, when you hit a certain point, things just keep moving forward, and your decisions become very crucial to your future. But I—I I just felt like with Avatar, it's like, especially when the whole gang like gets together, there's so little time for them all to be together because it's just constantly like rushing forward, and. I wish that they, like, we could have gotten more time with, you know what I mean? Like, with everybody.
1: So, uh, DiMartino and, uh, they consulted Sifu Kisu. He's a master of Northern Shaolin Kung Fu, but he also is an expert in other forms. And so they consulted him. They wanted to fit specific styles to each, you know, to each uh, element. Sifu Kisu... He decided with uh, water bending would be Tai Chi, which is less about strength and, and aggression and more about alignment and control. And you can kinda see that with with water bending. Earth bending is called hungar, which is it uses a stronger stance and is more rooted to the ground. I don't know if you've noticed if you noticed that when you see earthbenders earthbend.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think um, the earthbending martial art hungar is um, Indonesian. It's it's a very yeah, it's very like stance based, you know, that's very grounded. You, the the idea is not to be knocked over.
2: Oh, that's why you have that whole training scene with Toph where she's rolling the big right like stones at him mm-hmm. and he needs to stay stable and hold his ground. Right. Get in your horse stance. I'm going to roll that boulder down at you. If you have the attitude of an earthbender, you'll stay in your stance and stop the rock.
1: Right. And then so firebending, he used The style that he's most proficient at, which is Northern Shaolin Kung Fu, which is a lot more aggressive and dynamic. I mean, it's very you can tell it's very, a very aggressive style that goes well with, I mean, fire and airbending is called Bagua, which uses a lot of like circle movements and spins, which I mean, just naming off these different styles and what their stances are really just makes sense for each element mm-hmm. i mean if you I ever think get the if you well. ever
0: get the opportunity definitely go on youtube and look up um like tai chi movements or uh or Bagua, and and you'll see the the different um inspirations for the movements of all of these earthbending techniques and stuff and uh, styles and it's super cool because you can kind of visualize wow this guy you know if this if he was in the avatar universe he'd be airbending or Mm -hmm. waterbending like the tai chi is very it's very it's very fluid so the idea that it it just translates so well to the cartoon
1: yeah sifu kisu would be the real life avatar
0: (laughs) is he okay cool
1: kind of like jen and this is this is funny i also bought well i i only got the first one i got book one On DVD my sisters were just they were so into that show also we pulled our money together and so we bought the first season and so we watched through it together and so they had a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff so I got to see some of the stuff on the special features and so you know no it's they really did a lot of work for this
0: show Uh, one of the things that I found uh, really awesome going back uh to the series later on um was looking up some of the actors that portrayed some of the characters and there's some pretty big name people in this series uh that that voice some of these characters that you might not even know like fire lord ozai was played by mark hamill that's That's hilarious and awesome (laughs) and perfect for him
1: yeah that's insane
0: we also have other people like Jason Isaacs on the series, and Clancy Brown, other big name actors that um, showed up. But I think the, the genius of the series was actually casting children to yes. play the, the main cast. Because you know, you have plenty of uh, cartoons where they, they voice, uh, like I think of the Rugrats. You have fully grown adult actors and actresses playing those those babies. <laughs> But um, in, this, in this series, we actually had children, you yeah. know? And I think that that's so cool. One of my favorite uh, things, because I'm a fan of Arrested Development, is Mae Whitman, who uh, plays Anne, or some remember her as Egg from Arrested Development. <laughs> or
2: Mae Egg.
0: Or Mae and Egg, yeah. She plays Katara <laughs> in Avatar The Last Airbender. And uh, honestly, just perfect casting. Jack dasana is Sokka, Zack Tyler Ison as ang and Dante Bosco is Zuko. Um so these these frankly kids at the time nailed these roles and I, I I think actually putting children into the series brings out their vulnerability a little bit because, you know, as a kid you know other kids when when you hear them.
1: No, I, I think that it helped increase the authenticity of the show i i really enjoyed how they had all these different cultures in the show like the water tribes you know that they're you know inuits Mm -hmm. it was really cool the the fire bending or the the fire nation were it it was more styled after like a japanese culture uh the earth kingdom was based more on like like china and the uh, air nomads or the yeah the air nomads they were based on uh tibetan monks and so i thought that that was really cool that they went you know they went with that that they decided to take these different cultures you know it made sense you know that like it really it really fit with the cultures that they decided to go with in the show
0: each country felt unique right each culture felt fleshed out um, and some of it was even, like, me- uh, meshed together a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, like Ba say it was just a melting pot of Chinese cultures. Um, you have the Southern Water Tribe, uh, Saka, uh, they kind of mix him a little bit with the Mohican, uh, with, with, like, his tomahawk uh, and uh, boomerang and stuff, um, and even his haircut is very, like, uh, Mohican. But yeah, I, I love I love how they just blended so many different uh, cultures, uh, Asiatic cultures particularly, mm-hmm. to create um, a fantasy world. Um, and Jen, you, we were talking about this recently. You know, so often in fantasy, we are given uh, medieval English or feudal European fantasy settings, and or, or they're based off of those settings. You know, uh, you think of Game of Thrones; it's very mm-hmm. European. Yes. To see a fantasy world that's so different from that is really cool.
1: And the the thing that I really enjoyed about it was that, I mean, it was a world. It was a a world of magic, but it didn't feel like magic. It felt different. It was authentic. You know, they used chi, which is, you know, like their form of quote unquote mana, you know. And Mm -hmm. so... The fact that they went about it in that kind of way and it felt different, it it felt fresh. It you know in a way it, it's kind of like Naruto, where they use uh, jutsus, and so like that's I mean essentially that's magic too, and so but they but it doesn't feel like magic. So that's it, what it's I. It's a enjoy. very
0: unique magic system, definitely, right. and it's partially based again on. Uh, Well, a few things. The the chi is is um, something that's very grounded in Buddhism, but you also have like the four elements that Plato uh, first came up with: right, earth, fire, water, and air. And I, I just think it's a stroke of genius to to like you know kind of pair off these different element types to different nations and kind of build cultures around them. You can almost uh, when you're in the Earth Kingdom or, you know, when you're you're visiting Bumi. I think it's in Episode 5.
1: <laughs> oh, no, I love him.
0: You, you see how this city has literally developed around the usage of earthbending. When you visit the Fire Lord Ozai in, like, several different scenes throughout the series, his whole palace is uh, kind of encompassed in flame. And uh, all the different, you know, even, like, the different lanterns and stuff in the background are stylized in a way that... Just kind of looks and feels like fire yeah and obviously the the air nomads you know above the clouds uh, their their temples there it's it's just fantastic world building mm-hmm.
1: exactly yeah I mean each element the way that they situated each one of these nations you know it just was so fitting and it just it you know their surrounding pertained very well with with the elements of you know of each bidding nation.
2: So, what do you guys think that, like, what kind of benders do you think you'd be?
0: Ooh. Uh, well, you first, Jen, because oh, you, you asked know, the
2: question. You guys know I have a hot temper. I'm a firebender <laughs> through and through. My, like, most of my uh, power comes from pure rage. I don't know why I'm such an angry person, but yeah. here I stand. <laughs> firebender.
0: Okay. Anthony, what about you?
1: I mean, I've all, I've thought about this just so much. Firebending. I, I love firebending. I thought that it it was such a cool element watching it on the show so i mean firebending is more appealing to me
2: yeah i like the ones too where i mean airbending has the same quality like you you can't take that element away from me like it, fire you produce it yourself air surrounds you but the fire
0: comes from within and i think that's really cool yeah yeah it's tough for me. I, I don't think I'd be a firebender. I think I'm pretty calm for the most part. And I think a lot of it has to do with mood. And fire is a very mood-based element. I think I would either be water or air. I, I like to go with the flow when I can, but for the most part, I, I think I'd probably close, be closest as a, an air nomad.
2: Yeah, I think you would be too. Like, Tenzin from The Legend of Korra reminds me of the Korra a A lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs>
0: I actually, <laughs> I agree hilarious. with her. And Tenzin's my favorite character in <laughs> The Legend of Korra. Yeah, he's great. Uh, he's just like the perfect mentor figure, um, but he doesn't get everything right, you know? He, he does his best.
1: Tenzin, please, don't send me back home. You blatantly disobeyed my wishes and the orders of the White Lotus. Katara agreed with me that I should come. She said my destiny is in Republic City.
0: Don't bring my mother into this. But yeah, I, I, I like, I, I think I like the the purity of the air nomads a lot apparently like um according to the Kyoshi books like um if an air nomad and this isn't really a spoiler if an air nomad loses sight of their morality they can totally lose their ability to airbend so it's almost like a checking thing you know like you you keep yourself in check or you lose your ability to to do the things that you can
1: and that's crazy I feel like we could probably make an episode that's a little bit more spoiler-esque because there's a lot more like into it. Why not just like, like a like the full-fledged
2: s- spoiler episode. Like I think people who are going to watch or listen to something like this might already have watched the show.
0: Yeah, actually, I think that's a fantastic idea. I, I'm sure Jen, you would love to come back to yeah, talk spoilers. Would. Yeah, about, I kind of invited uh, myself. We, we've been we've been holding ourselves back from a flood of just like gushing about certain characters and certain scenes yeah. and stuff. Yes, yes. Um. So we're gonna wait a little bit. We don't know how long. Could be a couple of weeks. Could be a couple months. But we'll come back. We'll talk about spoilers for Avatar: The Last Airbender. Um, but what's really uh, what we're really excited about uh, coming up is we're going to be revisiting Black Panther. And obviously it's uh, a hugely timely topic. We, we didn't want to immediately jump into it just out of respect for uh, Chadwick Boseman, who recently passed. We hope that uh, we can just have a, a nice conversation about the film, what it means to us and uh, how, you know, with the new revelations, um, of Chadwick Boseman passing, uh, we can uh, take more from the the actual uh, finished product, and so that's what we're going to be talking about next week. Please be sure to uh, subscribe to us so that you get you get to see that episode and any other episodes that we have down the line.
1: I think that uh, next week's episode will be really cool. I definitely would like to, you know, definitely explore the the character of Black Panther, and I do think that talking about chadwick boseman's portrayal of of black panther and how how he impacted the world portraying him i do believe that uh, next week's episode will be just a fantastic insight into black panther
0: yeah i agree um so Thank you so much for listening to uh, this discussion of Avatar The Last Airbender. Stay tuned for a spoilery uh, look at Avatar The Last Airbender. And if you haven't checked out the show uh, in its entirety yet, please be sure to do so. It's not long. It'll take you a couple weeks if you watch a few episodes a day. And uh, we know that you'll, you'll really enjoy it because it really is that good um jen thank you so much for coming on today we we loved your company thank
2: you guys yes,
1: jen. Just fun. thank you for being Am our I first greeted guest from
2: my bedroom to the living room
1: <laughs> yeah i, I mean yeah. Let, let, let's be real jen you you were gonna always be the first guest because i <laughs> mean it's just it was inevitable but yeah um yep. Thanks, the reason <laughs> why we didn't jump into spoiler territory for this episode is that they released it on netflix recently so it's definitely gotten a a, a resurgence so we want people to be able to watch the show before we really delve into it even deeper but i did but we did want to be able to kind of explain some of the the behind the scenes and some of the characters that we really connected with and and also with some of the the elements that we identify with and so yeah definitely thank you guys for staying tuned and thank you for the feedback that you guys have been uh just extending out to us and you know we we definitely we enjoy it and we we love talking about these things that we love so much and so stay tuned for next week and have a great week stay safe use a mask
0: (laughs) thanks guys have a good one bye
1: bye